Welcome to the Cultivation of the Wild Woman podcast. My name is Ben. And I'm Rachel. And today on episode 8, season 2, we will be covering chapter 13, Battle Scars, Membership in the Scar Clan. From the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Is there anything you'd like to say about this chapter before we read this story? Um, just a quote of kind of the theme and where we'll be headed. More women's secrets will roll revolve around having violated some social or moral code of their culture, religion, or personal value system. The problem of secret stories surrounded by shame is that they cut a woman off from her instinctive nature. So this chapter is going to be dealing with secrets, shame, scars, and that nothing's outside the bounds of forgiveness. Well, with that in mind, let's begin the story. The story is pretty short, and there's only one story in this chapter. The Woman with Hair of Gold There was a very strange but beautiful woman with long golden hair as fine as spun gold. She was poor and without mother or father, and lived in the woods alone, and wove upon a loom made of black walnut boughs. A brute, who was the son of the coal burner, tried to force her into marriage, and in an effort to buy him off, she gave him some of her golden hair. But he did not know or care that it was spiritual, not monetary gold, that she gave him. So when he sought to trade her hair for merchandise in the marketplace, people jeered at him and thought him mad. Enraged, he returned by night to the woman's cottage, and with his own hands murdered her, and buried her body by the river. For a long time, no one noticed that she was missing. No one inquired of her hearth or health. But in her grave, the woman's golden hair grew and grew. The beautiful hair curled and spiraled upward through the black soil, and it grew looping and twirling more and more, and up and up until her grave was covered by a field of swaying golden reeds. Shepherds cut the curly reeds to make flutes, and when they played them, the tiny flutes sang and would not stop singing. Here lies the woman with golden hair, murdered and in her grave, killed by the son of the coal burner, because she wished to live. And that is how the man who took the life of the woman with golden hair was discovered and brought to justice, so that those who live in the wild woods of the world, like we ourselves do, were safe again once more. 
So I'll read a little bit of the analysis that Estes has after this story. Um, while this tale overtly gives the usual instruction to be careful in lonely places out in the woods, the inner message is profound. And that is that the life force of the beautiful wilder woman, personified by her hair, continues to grow, to live, and to emanate conscious knowing even though overtly silenced and buried. The life force of the beautiful wilder woman continues to grow and to live even though overtly silenced and buried. About how the wildish nature will always surface and find a way. Mm -hmm. Kind of like plants in the springtime. How we've seen, right? Because right now it's spring. And you see how little flowers will make their way through tiny cracks or through in the spot that it's a little crowded or mm -hmm. in the spot that there's no water or not that much soil. That our wildish natures like that, that will, it finds a way. And secrets are like that. They find a way to surface, like in the story. She goes on to say, But part of the miracle of the wild psyche is that no matter how badly a woman is killed, no matter how injured, her psychic life continues. Mm. There are as many shapes of scars as there are types of psychic woundings. Part of healing from a secret is to tell it so that others are moved by it. So Estes talks about sharing in a group of women your lineage and the secrets and the stories in your family, saying these are the women of my bloodline. So that these secrets have a healthy way of coming up. She mentions in the beginning of the chapter that Jung said keeping secrets cuts us off from the unconscious. The keeping of secret cuts off a woman, cuts a woman off from those who would give her love, succor, and protection. So are there any messages that we have to deal with this uh, kind of secrets once you've kind of already, I mean, once you have one, you know? Usually crying. Um, she says it loosens the locks and bolts on the secrets she bears. So you'll notice like 
the feelings that kind of come up and then you can kind of identify when you're dealing with the unconscious um, truth that you didn't know was there and to she talks about compassionately sharing the secret um, usually with people that you trust or just a person Yeah, I feel like this is pretty difficult right now to share. Well, I think one of the problems I see with sharing is that we're all kind of oversharing a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, um, because of social media, you start to, uh, like you sh you share things, but you're not really it doesn't feel like you're sharing to someone it feels more like you're kind of just putting something out there for the public mm -hmm. which is a very different type of sharing than it seems like she's talking about mm -hmm. yeah, seems like so. this is sharing to someone you know or someone that speaks the same language emotionally or energetically and that Someone who's you know is receptive to hearing, because not everyone you share with actually hears you or listens. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like this this type of sharing is a very different type than the average kind of you know just casual posting of things. It seems like it takes a certain level of vulnerability. It's and hard it helps to do. for it to be in person and not virtual because you can't really respond virtually um, to the same like quality as if you were in person. You can't actually hug the person. Right. And being in a time of quarantine, it's kind of like whoever you're, you're quarantined with kind of ends up being your buddies for whatever is kind of bubbling up right now. And I think that can even be a hard truth to face for a lot of people. Is Yeah, hopefully you're not quarantined with uh, people who uh, you don't like. But I'm sure there... The, There's still opportunity for learning in that. It's just that yeah. it might be an uncomfortable awakening. And I think yeah. that's a part of this time of of us all being quarantined I've found that then people are in their homes with their families and the house um, represents like the psyche like in I think Jung talks about it yes yeah. and like in the dream world that your house is your psychic doors and so it reminds me of Bluebeard because um, this story is kind of like the the opposite side of this book it's kind of like the shadow side of Bluebeard even though Bluebeard was kind of a dark story I don't know it's kind of a they're I don't know what I'm trying to say they're just similar stories in that in Bluebeard no one comes looking for her 
when she goes missing in the castle with Bluebeard and no one comes looking for her in the story but the truth and the yeah the only way they figure out that she died was because she, her hair grew and sang her song mm-hmm. so it's like if you don't tell the story or share then it's almost like the death and the secret will just never be discovered mm-hmm. but it'll always like sit there kind of like treasures on the earth that if people who have like buried gold and treasures it doesn't just disappear after they die and have buried it it stays there waiting until someone comes and finds it someday so secrets and the wildish natures like that where it doesn't like disappear it it stays there you just might not be consciously aware of it and so bringing your secrets to consciousness right about how Jung was saying that it's an unconscious it blocks you from the unconscious a secret so then how would you unblock it well you would bring it to the conscious you would express it and share it but in a way that can transcend it right not in a way that preserves that pain through pity or through um over exaggerating it in a way that oh it's not a big deal whatever happened or it's you know. a bigger deal than it really was yeah. or whatever it is but being true to the story being true to the secret and how it made you feel and and connecting to those feelings and finding someone who's compassionate enough to receive the secret mm-hmm. yeah she says that um Kind of a poor response would be, we must try to keep busy and not dwell on such things. Hmm. Um, I think that's kind of been our culture's past way of dealing with things like secrets and uncomfortable things. Is like, oh, we got other work to do, we don't have time. But now all of a sudden, quarantined, where everything's stopped, that's non-essential, then all of a sudden you have more time because you're not wasting your time here. We've become much more focused on what's important because when a a pandemic happens your your base needs become the most important to get met so then you you become very clear on what's important so how do we meet those needs with the secret instead of instead of saying oh well we must try to keep busy and not dwell on it what do we do well, if we're not, if we don't want that response, mm-hmm. if someone comes to me, if you come to me and have a secret, how should, how would, how could I respond in a, an appropriate way? I think it's about finding the the truth again, the middle 
of not trying to solve the problem or I don't know the flip side of that it would be to like be present and to listen and non-judgment about what the person's going through like letting holding space for them because um, she says that like if you don't have a friend or, or a women's group to do this kind of sharing then a therapist is kind of the next option and that a therapist is someone who is trained at being present and, and with you when you're going through something and not making it about them or, or making it about what you did it just letting you express and then be seen because that the secret wants to just be seen and acknowledged and so that it can move on. Okay. That's how that I, makes sense. I, I kind of am taking it. So what is the scapegoat? So on 386, the last page of this chapter, she has a, a kind of craft project that you do to embody your secrets to help give them a I don't know uh, to help help me here to help them transform from just something in your mind to mm -hmm. something in the real world to, ma to manifest them in material and it takes your power back. It, it, instead of disempowered, you become empowered by making the scapegoat. So she says that the scapegoat is a coat that details in painting, writing, and with all manner of things pinned and stitched to it. The name-calling a woman has endured in her life. All the insults, all the slurs, all the traumas, all the wounds, all the scars. It is her statement of her experience of being scapegoated. And that, to me, is pretty big. Because that... It seems like scapegoating is not something we... That's not something we've learned about in school. That's not mainstream. <laughs> you weren't. It's not no. like... That's, that's, it's kind of... It's in the Bible, for sure. It's in the traditional religions. Almost all uh, traditional religions have this concept of kind of understanding the person who's been blamed for all the bad stuff. And sometimes those traditional religions perpetrate the scapegoating, like blaming all their problems on the woman and calling her a witch. And then mm -hmm. when they burn her, everyone kind of is like, well all our problems are solved now because we she kind of represented the all those all the sin or all the all the negativity that everyone had in their hearts they kind of put it on one person and then they kill that person and they and it's like this symbolic killing of all the negativity mm -hmm. the problem is that like it's not true and that women, like, we're still here. The witches, you can't burn 
all of us were still I'm here. I made it and so I still have these scars. Right. Um so it Well then I think it can't be buried. It Right. I and still the, have to transcend and heal that wound. It's it's not over because you killed my grandma, you know, with the diet. No, but this is a, this is a psychological mechanism where people get into groups. Anytime there's groups, there's this kind of uh, there's negative emotions that start to build up. Maybe because there's envy or resentment or jealousy or there's certain things that are happening, and then it, within the group, people don't like conflict being kind of vague. So what they end up doing is getting all the conflict together and pinning it on one person. And that's the scapegoat. So the scapegoat is kind of a, seems to me, a response to that that group dynamic that even though, yeah, we're not, um, literally we don't go into the town square and burn someone, but there's still there's still a lot of the scapegoating going on. And it might be very subtle, and it might be personal, it might be private, it might be in a smaller setting, so we don't really... It's not like the whole city knows all your traumas. It's mm-hmm. not like the whole... We don't have as much of that communal life anymore. So it's harder to recognize when someone has been scapegoated. Mm-hmm. So then it's... To me, it seems and to like have a healthy outlet for when that surfaces, the, the realization that wait, this is not my shit. This is someone else's baggage that they tried to give to me, right? And bury with me, right? And then, you know. So this seems to me the scapegoat is a way of acknowledging all the scapegoating that happens. Mm-hmm that isn't as obvious or isn't as explicit. And it's not very, uh, like you're saying, socially, it's not common to do this. Nobody talks about scapegoating. Um, Because she says that the nastier and the gorier, the better. Yeah. Um, That sometimes we also call them battle coats, where they are the proof of the endurance, the failures, and the victories of individual women and their kinswoman. Wow. It's also a good idea for women to count their ages not by years, but by battle scars. So that's why in this chapter it's the battle scars membership in the Scar Clan is that you're taking your power back as a woman by knowing who you are and where you came from, by embracing and integrating your ancestral traumas, your deep traumas, your childhood traumas, cultural, all that into who, what made you. Because um, if you try to reject the things that have happened, then you're missing out on an opportunity to transcend a blessing that you actually got and see the 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 silver lining in it and how it made you stronger and how it maybe um or sometimes the silver lining can be um 
a little too... Sometimes I don't think that... Like, I think there's things that have no silver lining. So... Really? Yeah, for sure. I don't think... It, I don't think... Like, the way I see it is that you can you can learn from something without it necessarily having a silver lining. Like, oh, it's, it's a, it, what's the good? Because the silver lining to me is, seems like it's trying to flip a negative into a positive, which might not be necessary. It might be fine to just say, this was a dark cloud. It had no silver lining. It did nothing for me. It didn't make me stronger. It made me weaker. It hurt me. It traumatized me. It, it took me years to get away from it. And in the end, it's not that it had a silver lining, but that you can, by sharing what happened, you can pass on the wisdom and the healing and the example or just even just sharing how deep and dark your life story got at certain points helps maybe will help others so it's not about like but that's oh, what I mean this by thing the silver lining is that you can find the wit like yeah but the silver that, lining what I'm saying I think the difference that I'm trying to get at is that I don't think there's a silver lining to a child being molested I don't think there's any positive energy at all. I don't think I think it's inappropriate to say that that event has a silver lining. Mm -hmm. But because it makes it seem like oh it's you know you were molested but you know now you're you're stronger for it or something and that to me doesn't acknowledge that like no this may have made you weaker. Mm. Not everything you go through makes you stronger. A lot of things can make you weaker, but I guess the silver lining is that you sh can share something, and the sharing is mm -hmm. the the part that has the silver lining, not yeah, the trauma, yeah. yes. not the event, but the fact that you have eventually shared the secret, and that is the redemption. Mm -hmm. That's like that's the part that has the positivity. But the dark cloud can just be a pure... <laughs> some clouds are just pure dark. Mm -hmm. uh, at least that's that's how I view it. That's what mm -hmm. I... Some rain clouds don't have a silver... Not every edge. cloud has a silver lining. With the and, sun at the end. Oh, that the sun's just around the corner yeah. of that cloud. Sometimes it's just black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when you're able to tell someone, Hey, this is just... This is my scar. This is my story of this scar then you're creating the energy. You're creating that uh, meaning. Mm. And, and you're transforming your scars from something that was a burden to now something that can help you connect to someone else maybe or just un unlock your instincts again. If your instincts were turned off by mm -hmm. this, you can now regain those. Mm -hmm. And no longer be buried by shame, because that's kind of the energy around secrets, is that you'll be threatened if the secret is ever revealed. Right. So, 
and Estes talks about that in the beginning of the chapter, that this additional threat, as well as the secret shame itself, causes a woman to carry not one burden, but two. And so, by doing a ritual of a scapegoat, you are sharing it and able to give that energy that wanted to be seen and expressed in the past, that attention. Um, and it'll, it'll reconnect you to your unconscious. It'll reconnect you to your soul self, to your, the part of you that is the authentic you, the, the deep, like, DNA part of who you are. That wildish nature that cannot be stopped. That you're, you're, you'll find a way to find the sun and to push your way through. Um, so this is helpful to uh, is there do that. A, yeah, is there a final quote you have? Mm-hmm. They allow us to leave the death cold of secrets behind. We can grieve and grieve hard and come out of it tear-stained rather than shame-stained. We can come out deepened, fully acknowledged, and filled with new life.